Bee Therapy, conversations about bees with Patrice Newell and Danny Lloyd Pritchard. Back again, Danny. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Patrice. Now, let's start quiz question. Why do beekeepers wear white? Do you always wear white? Depends if I've washed my bee suit or not. <laughs> I was just thinking one of my good bee buddies, his is absolutely black now. <laughs> That's a good point. They start out white. <laughs> now, we're going to discuss a new movie, a movie that came out in 2020, Probably uh, was on Netflix. It's on Netflix still. It's called Keeping the Bees and it's from Turkey. Gorgeous. With a name like Keeping the Bees, you'd think the main theme is bees and that's correct. I especially like 93 minutes, good old-fashioned size for a movie, not too long. The scenery captured my imagination. I haven't been to Turkey and I certainly never imagined that kind of environment and I'd never really heard much about the beekeeping activities of Turkey although since watching the movie I now appreciate how famous their honey is and I would love to try some. I'm with you. I've never tried honey that I know is from Turkey and of course it, they won the best honey in the world at the Appamondia in Canada. That was a forest honey I think and I think it might have even been a cream honey. And Turkey is meant to be the second biggest honey community. I know sometimes you read things and they say Argentina is, but I think it's Turkey. Well, maybe they both claim They're second position. They do. China number one. A China, bit of a competition. China number one. Um, I used to always think Turkey. Now, Apamondia was in Turkey in 2017. And that's the... The International Honey Show. Yes, and I was, in my mind, I was going to go to that. Yes, it was in Istanbul. And then in 2016 at Ataturk Airport in June, terrorist attack, mm -hmm. and it just did, did my head in. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to go. And I didn't go. And, of course, everyone who went said it was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they had their field trips to eastern Turkey where Keeping the Bees is filmed. Missed opportunity. So we You'll would have there. we would have gone into this vicinity because very narrow uh, valleys, like the back of my farm at Kuehl Creek, very narrow valleys, completely forested, people living there, not with affluence. It's not a tourist area. No. Quite very humble, simple, very simple, simple life, but a good lifestyle. Happy, happy people. What about everyone in the cast being drop dead gorgeous? They were. They were all beautiful, mm. were they not? Mm. The, Matched the scenery. Yeah, Aisha. So the story about the film, we're not going to give it all away. The story about the film is Aisha has come back because her mother's very sick and she's been living in Germany. That actress, Merim Uzeli, she's a German Turk. She um, speaks a little bit of German and a tad of English in, in, that, in the film. So she's come back because her mother's sick. And then her mother dies. Do you remember that scene when there's a bee walks across her face, yes. a black bee? Yes. And then that is the moment that her mother dies. But her, the mother's last words, take good care of my bees. How can you not honour the wishes of your mother? So then she tries. 
to look after the bees in a very bossy way. (laughs) She was a little bit reluctant to start with. I felt she was dealing with the grief or almost not dealing with grief. She was trying to consume her time with activities and research and, okay, if I have to look after the bees, I'm going to Google this. And I thought a lot of Googling. I, I thought that was pretty funny. It looked like there'd absolutely be no internet in this obscure <laughs> hilly village. They had mobiles. They had Google. <laughs> they, they had everything. I mean, wow, we certainly do not have that at Gundy. Uh, but she was able to Google a lot. And I love the bit where she Googled these very pretty painted beehives, an apron and, t- and well, told... that's what she wanted. <laughs> she wanted to replicate what was happening in the West. I did miss the fact that there were, they must have filmed it, I don't know, late summer, because there were no flowers. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. So but lots did, of bee activity. Bee activity from the hives, mm. some odd bee activity, didn't there you was. think, with the swarming? Yes. And that was all tied into the story around her approach to beekeeping. And like you mentioned, the bossiness or I know it all and I'll do it my way, thank you. And according to Google, we should be running these types of bees here, not these ones my mother's had for years and years and years. These ones are the better ones to get. And she starts to introduce a new race of bees, the black bees from the UK. The UK. <laughs> Her bees were Caucasian bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, a particular genetic strain that had been with her mother for years and years. But the, the idea of not letting the bees teach you. That was very much the theme that it came was. through the, the man that helped her mother yes. uh, look after the bees. Uh, so she was resisting learning learning knowledge from the bees themselves. Of course, there's another subplot, a bit of romance in there too, where they have bears there. <laughs> so there's a great story with bears attacking and the death of a bear and the ecological protection of bears in the area so you learn a little bit there as well. You do. Uh, and how these um, flimsy electric fences don't, don't work. work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she sends away for a new bee suit. Mm, what colour was that? <laughs> Not white. <laughs> and it was a very snazzy bee suit. It had quite, it was a nice design, I thought. It was, it was very delightful. Flash, very flashy. Yeah, very feminine. It very... looked like it was actually shaped for a woman as well. True, mm. true. The other thing, they, you know, they're not, alcoholics they're not they're drinking tea all the time in beautiful small cups yes. and they did that quite a bit i love it was almost a little micro tea ceremony thing. ritual there yeah. were little rituals throughout the movie yeah turkey's famous for its chestnut honey it's thyme honey it's citrus honey and it's meant to be the world's biggest supplier of pine honey as well mm. we didn't see a lot of those trees there because they didn't give us focus on the attention of the trees enough, what would you give it? Out of five? Yeah. Four and a half. Would you say it's a movie for the bee lover? Definitely the bee lover. You don't get a lot of close-up shots of the beehives and the bees themselves, but there are plenty of scenes that are based in the bee yard and there's a lot of drama around that site and you can't help but be part of it. No, you learn um, quite a bit about rural Turkey. Yes. I watched it with my husband, you know, former filmmaker, and it, we would have been halfway through it. He goes, oh, this is a laugh a minute. That probably <laughs> says something. <laughs> he said, but he absolutely loved 
lots of fabulous long shots. So every time there was a really good scene, he'd go, oh, that was a really good shot. There was no edits there. Did you notice that? <laughs> so we had a film technical thing. So I did think it probably passed a lot and it won a lot of awards. Yes. A lot of international film awards. Worth watching. So uh, I, I would give it a four and a half out of five. Great. I think... Turkey needs all the help develop its film industry. Learn a lot about Turkey. Turkey, the second biggest. There's meant to be 150,000 families in the beekeeping sector in Turkey. So maybe all the beekeepers of Turkey would have appreciated that film too. It's a lot, isn't it? It A lot of families engaged in the industry. It's an important industry. We've had a busy time as well. I've seen more of you just recently (laughs) because we were in the judging team down at the Royal Easter Show too. We were. This is Australia's national honey show that we were part of this year in 2021. So privileged to be invited to judge some honey. We were not together. I had uh, pollen, the frames and blocks of honeycomb in jars with chunk honey, honey, chunk honey. Mm. Uh, and you were doing... I was judging the liquid, the light liquid honey classes So there were two classes I judged. One was from eucalypt sources and the other is non-eucalypt sources, but it had to be a light-coloured honey. Now, when we arrived there and after everybody showed off their bee socks and we got down to business, I did think you had a a hell of a lot in front of you to judge. Yeah. There were quite a lot of entries in your sector. There was, um, So one class had over 40 entries and the other one had just under 20. And each entrant has to deliver three jars of the same honey for judging. And that's so you can look at the various characteristics that you're judging it for. So you may use one jar just to take the lid off and smell the aroma or to check for cleanliness underneath the lid, see how well the honey's been prepared for judging. You line the honey jars up and you look at the colour And you look at how clear it is. So the things that we're judging is flavour, density, colour, aroma, clearness and brightness. And so it does help to have more than one jar of honey. But you're right, it was a big job. And to cleanse the palate between each jar of honey and to make sure that you were giving every jar and beekeeper the respect that they needed took some time. Now, we should um, talk about brightness, clearness, because it it is something, isn't it, how a jar of honey can really sparkle when you hold it up into the light. When you see those jars of honey lined up at this competition, there's hundreds and hundreds of entries, and they had the natural light coming through the doors into the tasting room, judging room. It was so obvious what jar of honey was considered bright compared to others. And brightness is only worth five out of a hundred, so it's not—it's the, the lowest number for judging. And clearness is ten out of a hundred, so clearness is really easy to judge because you can shine a light through the honey jar and you can see if there's little air bubbles or still floaty bits of pollen or bits of bees or wax. You know that's quite obvious just with a, a light being shone through. You can also look at how clean the jar is. That's when you notice fingerprints and things like that. How well have you prepared your jars for judging? But the brightness, it's the sparkliness of the honey in the jars when they're sitting there next to each other. And it does, it does stand out. But at the time, if you're just at home looking at your jars that you're about to enter, 
it's hard to judge the brightness. It needs to be put in the context yes. of that class. And I really image. notice that with the creamed honey. White is what is most most valuable. Mm. And there were quite a lot uh, of entries that were seriously not white. Obviously, it might have been the whitest one they had. And so it looked white to them and lined up. Some were quite yellowy cream. Some were gray white. Mm. And only a few were really what you'd call white white. Mm. That was, I thought, fascinating. And then the frames. You're not allowed to look at the the beautiful wooden boxes that they're printed. That's got nothing to do with it. It's just about the honey. You're looking at the honeycomb. It's about the honeycomb. And yet the frames, some people have gone to a lot of beautiful carpentry Hard work. not to look at that. Hard not to look, but we didn't. But you can see occasionally there might have been a fingerprint on the honeycomb where just when you're moving it, one might not have been stable in the frame. When you really get down to the nitty gritty and, and how the honeycomb is meant to go right to the edge of the frame. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sometimes you look at your own frames, invariably they don't, particularly on the bottom. Mm. You know, the bees go, that's enough. Yeah. It's difficult to get the perfect frame. And when you do, you're so excited and you just want to save it. I know there'll be a competition. I can use it. And a lot of beekeepers will put that special frame box in the freezer in the freezer and just wait for the opportunity to bring it out for a competition it is a tough one it's a tough one to judge and honeycomb like the creamed honey you know you'll get different colors of wax cappings and it's so hard being a judge but fabulous to see them all together and so impressive on the number of entries considering the year that we've had in 2020 that's true i was fortunate that i finished before you did so i was able to go around and taste all the winning entries but (laughs) what probably excited me the most by the end of the day was the native honeys yes i've only tasted a couple and i have not been that enthusiastic, but I was very, very excited by these honeys. Mm. The liquid nature of it is different because, well, if that was all the honey we had and we didn't have the European honeybee, well, our cooking, the way we use it would be completely different. Yes. But because the flavour profiles were so different, I'm really looking forward to, in the future, uh, having more experience mm. tasting mm. tasting those amazing honeys. I'm looking forward to you getting your own native beehive yes, and managing well, that and maybe tasting your own native bee honey. Well, maybe that is a thing of the future for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've been eating these delicious things here before we started talking. You call them peanut butter honey bliss balls. I call them energy balls. We can call them bites. They're balls. They're round, tasty balls. But they're energy balls too because they're seriously good for you. Oh, they'd have to Perfect snack. Loaded with protein. I like the fact that it's not just peanut butter. There's tahini. Yes. So that as you eat them, Mm. you're having quite a complicated, oh, that's peanut butter. Oh, that's tahini. Mm. Oh, that's the sesame seeds as you're eating them. And they're very filling. They are very filling. And so they're going to sustain you for a while. Great bushwalking food. They would be excellent bushwalking. Um, And if you can't eat peanuts, which is a sad allergy to have, you could replace the peanuts with an almond butter or or a seed butter. You could give it a go. So do you want me to tell you what's in them? Tell me. Do you want actual amounts? Go on. Go on. (laughs) Okay. So you'd probably have to get a notepad right now and a pencil if you want to write this down. But it's a cup of peanut butter, half a cup of oat flour, 
but you could use coconut flour if you didn't want to eat oats, a quarter of a cup of tahini, three tablespoons of honey, two tablespoons of hemp seeds, one teaspoon of cinnamon, quarter of a teaspoon of salt, and you use sesame seeds to roll them in. So basically all those ingredients I mentioned, you just mix them all together in a bowl, just stir them together, then roll them into balls and then coat them in sesame seeds. I must say, I never, I never have hemp seeds in my pantry. Do you always have hemp seeds? I then? do. Yeah, they're full of the omega-3s. They're supposed to be fabulous for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so it means I should get some. <laughs> but but I couldn't taste them in that. Didn't you get the crunchiness coming through? Yeah, but I probably thought that was just sesame coming from seeds. the sesame seeds. Yeah, okay. it's all blended together. But they are a fabulous little healthy snack. The honey, um, depending on how sweet, honey is meant to be sweeter than sugar. Yeah. I don't know about that. I, that's a weird thing to me. That our palates are so used to sh- to the honey flavour, though. Maybe we we don't taste it as well. We need to eat more. I don't know. <laughs> I could. You could add more than three tablespoons, definitely. And these ones, you store them in the freezer or fridge. Yes, keep them nice and firm. Yeah. Another yummy honey recipe. Now let's get back to this quiz question. Why do beekeepers wear white even when Aisha didn't wear white in the movie Keeping the Bees? She went to yellow. Actually, the movie alluded to the reason. When we discussed the movie, we talked about the bee fences, uh, bear fences. See, I did the same thing as you. There's bears. And in the natural areas where the European honeybees come from, bears are the main predators. And so the story is bees got used to defending their hives against these large, dark-coloured predators. But if you wear white and move around, they're less likely to attack you because it's not a dark colour. That's where it started. But in Australia, I think it's got other reasons now, especially with climate change and increasing temperatures. When we're working our bees out in summer, it's extremely hot. hot. You're always sweating. What you have to do when you do beekeeping in the height of summer, I think, is have an electrolyte mix um, handy. It's definitely back in the kitchen or your honey shed to have immediately on return. Mm. Always Uh, have water with you and drink copious mm. amounts because it's incredible how much you sweat when Mm. you're actually working your bees in your bee suit. So, yes, obviously lighter colours are cooler, so the white bee suit. But I think another good reason is if you're working your hives and, unfortunately, maybe the queen is displaced from that hive and you can see it more quick more yeah, quickly if she lands on you you've got a better chance of finding her if she's she lands on a white bee suit than on the ground so yeah. and quite often um people talk about not wearing wool yeah. or leather or things of, from an animal yeah because the bees the think scent. you're a bear that's right they do they do they're attracted to the dark colors there you go white bee suits although i did like the yellow It was a flash bee suit. (laughs) Alrighty, until next time. I'll see you then, Patrice. Bye. 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 